0: It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, well, hey there to our Elevate family from all around the world. Great to have you with us, especially as Tom said Those of you joining us for the first time, um, you actually dropped in on the second week of a brand new series, uh, which essentially is addressing uh, a question that many people ask of themselves at some point, or maybe even regularly throughout their lives. And it's really one of these uh, big existential questions. What am I here for? And this big question, you know, what am I here for, then starts to play out in the specifics you know what sort of job or career should i pursue um, what sort of course of study should i undertake uh, should i get married if i should get married who should i get married to uh, should we have kids if if and if we're going to have kids how many kids should we have where should we live and, and on and on it goes into these very specific questions and we've framed these questions around the concept in this series of what we've called chasing purpose because that's a lot of what we're doing when we're asking this question, we're chasing purpose. What is my purpose in life? And uh, we've taken the big idea around this series, from something that God said through the prophet Jeremiah. Now, a prophet is someone that's kind of like God's mouthpiece, God's kind of uh, megaphone, speaks on behalf of God or God speaks through them, depending on uh, how you frame that. And uh, God spit, spoke something very powerfully through Jeremiah. And this is what God said. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, in this declaration, we see this word plans play out over and over again. This idea that God has plans for us. And I'll put it to you and I put it to you last week. If God has a plan, then we have a purpose and I got a ton of great feedback from last week, because uh, one of the things that a lot of people get tripped up on is this idea of, you know, it's fine for God to say, I know the plans I have for you, but then for us to um, maybe wrongly conclude that even though God has plans for us, we're never going to find out what they are. They're going to be eternally elusive, and... uh Hopefully this series and a big part of what we're going to achieve as we journey through this series of Chasing Purpose is to just demystify some of how we discover God's plans for our life. So last week we talked about the free way of purpose. The free way of purpose comes from this big idea that I learned back in Bible college, one of the most important lessons that I've ever learned, that when it comes to God's purpose, There's both God's general purpose and then there's God's specific purpose. And God's general purpose, the metaphor that I use, it's it's like a freeway. It's the freeway that all Jesus followers are meant to get on. It's multi-laned. It's wide enough for all of us to fit. And we're all called to get on that. And there's certain things that we're all called to do on that freeway that have us going in the same direction. That's God's general purpose. That's the all in. That's, that's the one size fits all stuff. And then within God's general purpose, in other words, once we're already travelling on the freeway of God's general purpose, then over time, as we explore, as we pray, as we read God's word, we will then get to discover our lane, You know, our specific purpose, God's specific plans, God's specific purpose. And I said last week, the rookie mistake is for people just to immediately zoom in on trying to find that God's specific purpose without first zooming out and asking the question, am I on the freeway of God's general purpose? And I really want to just stay a bit more zoomed out today. Next week, uh, our good friend Steve Hall is going to zoom in onto some more of the specifics. I just want to stay zoomed out again today and talk about our part in purpose. And now last week we took our instruction on what it means to be on the freeway of God's purpose uh, from three things that Paul wrote. Today I want to look at a couple of things and I want to actually look at a couple of things that, well, three things that Jesus specifically spoke about that point to how we can ensure we're on God's freeway of general purpose. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, uh, how about you jump in there with me to John chapter 17. And I'm going to read just a slice of that from the message version. Now, John, when we say John, this is one of the four accounts, four eyewitness accounts of the life and public ministry of Jesus. And uh, what's unique about John's account is uh, that John uh, was one of Jesus' handpicked 12 closest followers. Uh, But more than that, John actually became like the closest of the closest followers. And so not only did John have a front row seat to Jesus' life and ministry along with the other 11, uh, there were certain instances where John got almost like a look behind the curtain, almost got like beyond the front row seat. And this is actually one of those instances where and Jesus went off to pray, so He actually left the Twelve with the exception of John. John, for you know whatever reason, uh, was allowed to go go with Jesus and actually watch Him pray and listen to Him pray. And uh, it's quite certain that th- this prayer that Jesus prayed, that John actually recorded that uh, and wrote that down and we can actually draw from that today. So here in verse 3 is something that Jesus said, something Jesus prayed for us as Jesus followers, which very much underscores our purpose uh, in life. And this is what Jesus prayed. And this is the real and eternal life. Well, you know, that's got my attention already. This is the real life. This is what real life looks like. This is what real and eternal life looks like. And he's praying this to God, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, meaning Himself, whom you sent. You know, Jesus is praying and declaring that the real life, that real life is found, in first and foremost, knowing Jesus. And I get it. That's kind of the standard, you know, Christianity 101 uh, answer. You know, what's the purpose of life? It's to know Jesus. And, and it is. That the reason it is the Christianity 101 answer to the purpose in life is because it is very much the fundamental answer that all of us as Jesus followers need to be reminded of. It's to know Jesus. That said, let me just highlight an an important distinction. There is a difference between meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus. See, a lot of people say I'm a Christian because I met Jesus, you know, on this date or when I was this age or at this camp or in this church or or when someone prayed for me at a coffee shop, you know, I met Jesus and that's great. That's an event and that's a starting point. But meeting Jesus isn't the same as knowing Jesus. Meeting someone isn't the same as knowing someone. Meeting someone is an event. Knowing someone or getting to know someone is a process, it's a journey. And that's something that we do on God's freeway of general purpose. Once we've met Jesus, we need to continue getting to know Jesus. And those of you that are married, you know this. Look, I've been married for just over 23 years to Louisa. And uh, you know, when I first met Louisa, I mean, I liked her, but I didn't really know her. And we dated for one year and then we were engaged for one year, and then we got married, having dated and been engaged for two years. Well, now I knew her a bit better than when I first met her because I was getting to know her, but I was still getting to know her. And then year on year, decade on decade, and now 23 years of marriage and 25 years of having, since I met her, I now know her better now than I did when I first met her because meeting her was an event and getting to know her was a process. It was a journey. And it's the same with Jesus. And that's why one thing that infuriates me, okay, rant, incoming. When I occasionally hear people say, when they're talking about someone who's a brand new Christian, someone who's just met Jesus, this person that's just met Jesus, they're, they're glowing because they know that they've been forgiven. They, 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 they're experiencing a brand new peace, a brand new joy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's often, well, they're on fire or this and that. But some cynics will, you know, say to them, well, that's the honeymoon period. You know, that's not real. That's, that, that's not going to last. You know, what's going to happen is over time, that's just going to fade away. And, and I'm like, what? what, why are you saying that? It seems to me that you don't understand that there's a difference between meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus. And it's important, It's I mean, it's, it's, eternal life is jump-started in meeting Jesus and then the outworking of that, the unpacking of that, the growing uh getting to know Jesus, and the more you get to know him, the more you should be falling, well, I say should, but like, I mean, seems to me that's Jesus' big point, is falling more in love with him, uh, being more devoted to him, um, being more awestruck by him, being more captivated by him. That's what the journey of getting to know him looks like, and it's that It's that. Idea that he prayed that, that real life and eternal life is found in getting to know him. Now, that's one side of the coin. That's the sort of us side of the coin. That's the sort of what's in it for me side of the coin. Well, real and eternal life, that's what's in it for you and me. There is another side of the coin. And Jesus went on to talk about this, something that Matthew recorded. And it's this big idea is that as we get to know Jesus, we're also invited to participate with him to make him known. And Jesus underlined this at a time in history where a large crowd were gathered and he was teaching them. It's famously in church and Bible circles called the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just going to drop us into a slice of that. It's a little lengthy, uh, but I'll kind of circle back to a couple of the key points. But join with me here. Matthew chapter 5. Now, Matthew was also one of Jesus' handpicked 12, so this is a front row seat as well to Jesus' words. And this is Jesus speaking Matthew writing it down. Let me tell you why you are here. Let me tell you what your purpose is. Let me tell you what my plans are. Let me tell you the answer to the question, what am I here for? You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Well, here's another way to put it. You're here, here, your purpose is to be light, bringing out the God colors of this world. God is not a secret to be kept. Nope, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, purpose. Keep open house. This is how you do it. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So Jesus used two metaphors to highlight and reinforce what life looks like for Jesus' followers as we travel on God's freeway of general purpose. And he said, well, first one, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Now, here in Australia, we have a lot to be thankful for uh, European immigrants, one of which is the takeaway delicacy, fish and chips. Now, if you're not familiar with fish and chips, well, sucks to be you. But uh, those of you that are familiar with fish and chips. You know that when you get your takeout fish and chips and you unwrap that or unbox that and you take your first chip, if there is no salt on that chip, you will be marching back into the chipperia and you'll be demanding to know where the salt is because without the salt, the the, 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 the flavors, of those chips are dramatically undermined, not even worth eating. Salt brings out, salt enhances, salt adds value. And that's what Jesus is saying to us, that we're meant to add, we're meant to enhance, we're meant to bring out the best in other people, to speak life into them, to offer assistance to them, to be generous towards them even when there's nothing directly in it for us. You know, I sometimes wonder, you know, what would, what would your colleagues say about you, you know, when they think about you being a part of the work, that workplace? Would they be grateful? Would they be, or would they be, uh, that? what about your family? What about your friends? What about your fellow classmates? You know, are you bringing out the God? flavors in them by adding value, by being salt seasoning, not salty, salt seasoning. And then Jesus said, well, if you didn't get that metaphor, let me give you another metaphor to make pretty much the same point. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors of this world. Just sorry, adjusting my Captain Obvious hat here. One of the things that light does is light reveals and some people think this is a problem Uh, we are uh, have moved into our new extension i'm sitting on our uh, island bench speaking with you right now and our island bench is white all of our bench tops in our new extension are white and i remember several months ago when people you know some people were asking how's your building project going tell me more, this and that I remember letting one person know, I said, oh, look, you know, one of the things I'm excited about is we're going to have these beautiful uh, white benchtops. And I remember them just looking at me quizzically and they were like, white. And I'm thinking, "Uh, yeah. They said, white benchtops? Well, won't you see all the dirt? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I want to see all the dirt. I want to see it so I can remove it so I can clean it. I mean the, uh, uh, do you know that dark bench tops are not cleaner than white bench tops? The only difference is on a dark bench top you probably can't see the dirt. The schmutz is not as obvious. And here's the thing with some people's approach to God is they want to actually live in the darkness. They want to stay in the darkness because they have a wrong understanding of who God is, His nature, His character, and what He does when it comes to the schmutz in people's life, the dirt, the the brokenness. They think that they need to hide it from Him in the darkness because they don't want Him to judge them And shame them and reveal who they really are to the people around them. So they'll stay in the darkness. And yet for those of us who have exposed ourselves to the light that God brings, we know that's not how He is. We know that's not how He operates. And Jesus says, because you know this, be light to the people around you. Be my light. Be God's light. Shine the light on people, not to shame them, I mean, yes, to reveal the darkness, but to show them that, that the stuff, the dirt, the schmutz, the brokenness, that there's hope because of God. There's healing because of God. There's freedom because of God. Your brokenness can be restored. The things you've been hiding from people, you can actually see your life turn around, but you have to expose them to the light. But that's not a problem because the one who is the light Is looking to come in and clean those areas from you. And so, look, I ain't gonna lie. This is a big, big, big ask that Jesus is making of us. You know, like Jesus, knowing he was going to leave this earth, said, okay, team, team church, team Jesus followers, it's now over to you. You're my body. You're my hands and feet. You're going to be my salt and my light. And you're going to show your world, your sphere, who I really am. And it's a big ask because, look, not everyone's interested. Not everyone's going to want to smoke what we're selling. I get that. But but it's the most important responsibility we've been left with that as we get to know Jesus, that we're invited and and given the opportunity to have others get to know Jesus. Even if they don't know, that's what is God's best for them. You know, in uh, retail and uh, customer service industries, there's a a pithy uh, mantra that uh, you probably have heard before. The the customer is always right. And uh, I don't entirely agree with that. And I'm not the first to not entirely agree with that. I mean, one of the most famous people who didn't entirely agree that the customer is always right was Henry Ford. Now, Henry Ford didn't invent the car, so to speak, but he was certainly one of the early pioneers, and he was one of the early pioneers of of mass production of cars. And uh, he was famously quoted as saying around this idea that the customer is always right, he said that, that if he had asked at the time in the horse and buggy world if he'd asked at the time of his potential customers what they wanted, they would have said to him, I want a faster horse. And then many decades later, another pioneer, Steve Jobs, he would often quote Henry Ford as saying that and then add his own spin on it to say that sometimes the customer doesn't know what they want until you actually show it to them. And... (laughs) And it, it seems like a bold statement, but it, 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 it was true of the car. It's been true of uh, many of Apple's inventions. Um, and in fact, it reminded me of a, of a story from here in Australia. Uh, back in 19... Well, let, let, me, let me set it up this way. Uh, at the end of the Second World War, uh, one of the countries that was devastated economically was Italy. And so uh, literally hundreds of thousands of Italians bought a one-way ticket to other parts of the world, uh, predominantly the US, uh, Canada, and Australia. And uh, one of those uh, Italian migrants uh, was a, a guy named uh, Bepi Polesi. And uh, Beppe Polesi uh, found himself in Sydney as an Italian migrant. And, uh, you know, he missed the flavors of home. Now, he could still get the flavours at home if he cooked at home, or I mean, at home now in Sydney, or if, as often was the case, he would meet up with fellow Italian migrants. Um, they could cook their own flavours of the old country at home, but no one was offering it like in a restaurant setting, which today seems ridiculous that there was not really, you know, what we now would say Italian restaurants. But there wasn't. In fact, back in the, the, the first decade or so after the Second World War, the only place you could buy olive oil was at the chemist, at the pharmacy. So the Italians would be buying their olive oil from the local pharmacy. And look, Australians had never tasted olive oil and never tasted a lot of the, the dishes that we now are, many of us, so familiar with. And uh, Beppe Polesi had a vision to introduce Italian food or at least his regional food from Italy to the Australian culture. Um, problem was the potential clients, they had no idea when they looked at a plate of food that he had made at his restaurant, Beppe's Restaurant, which he launched in uh, 1956, uh, just outside of Sydney, no one recognised what it was. So, so this was the, the, the tactic that he uh, undertook. He would stand out at the front of his Bepi's restaurant and kind of use his powers of persuasion to, 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 to get people into his restaurant, Aussies, into his restaurant. And there was no menu. He didn't write down a menu. And his, his approach was, he would say to them, I'm going to serve you a plate of food. I want you to try it. Then I'm going to tell you what's in it. And if you like it, then you can pay me for it. And so he would cook them up, things like spaghetti with some clams or some prawns. He would cook some dishes with tomato sauce and uh, eggplant. He would cook some dishes with some garlic in it and so on. <laughs> and look, for the most part, these uh, you know rookie uh, Aussies would, would enjoy it, would, would taste it, would enjoy it, and would pay him for it. But the, the, the crowds weren't rushing in. Well... Eventually his uh, restaurant kind of was, was was under the radar. Eventually it got kind of, uh, came to the attention of the health authorities and they inspected his restaurant and they discovered that the kitchen in his restaurant didn't have the right uh, ducting, didn't have the right extractor fans to remove the, the, the heat and the oil from the kitchen. And so they made him, as is kind of customary these days, they made him install this ventilation system that would take the the fumes and the steam and the oils from within the kitchen, and just blast them out uh, onto the side street alongside his restaurant. Well, what happened in the weeks and months after this health inspection, where they had to install these new exhaust uh, vents to the outside world, is that the, the smells and the flavors started emanating through the neighborhood. Things like garlic being fried in olive oil, things like Clams and prawns and slow-cooked uh, meats in, 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 in red tomato sauce. Those flavours, those aromas started going out into the community and people were starting to queue up to get into Beppe's restaurant. You know, Aussies didn't know they were going to love Italian food until somebody introduced it to them until somebody, even when they didn't know they wanted it, even when they didn't recognize it, even though they didn't know they would like it, they got a whiff. They got a a taste. They got to see it. And it's very much what Jesus asks of us. And he says, just like Beppi did in his restaurant, keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others, sharing with them what you have, sharing them with with them what you've experienced sharing your life your new life with them you'll prompt people to open up with God this generous father in heaven our purpose on the free way of God's general purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.